I was the uh, second car in a funeral procession uh, on Monday this week. I was right behind the lead car uh, from the funeral home, and it had flashing lights on top of it and um, and little flags on the front corners of the roof. You know, it said funeral. They were orange flags with uh, with the words funeral across them. Um, and he had his, you know, his headlights on and emergency flashers are going. And as we came to each intersection, we had to drive through downtown. We started on the northeast side of town, and, and they drove right through downtown. And um, if you catch the lights right, you know, it's good if you're going to speed limit. If you're not going to speed limit, then things change a little bit. So as we'd get to each intersection, uh, the lead car would pause just for a moment to make sure that the people going, going uh, through cross traffic noticed that you know, he was there, uh, you know, and, and then he would go on. Now, before we left the funeral home, they put those little flags on all of our cars as well. Uh, we didn't have two like the lead car did, uh, but, you know, they had those flags, and then they came around and made sure everybody had their headlights on and had their emergency flashers going. They wanted us to look as much like the uh, lead car as as possible uh, because what they wanted to do is they wanted to leave no doubt in anyone's mind of those who saw us that we were with that lead car now all of the cars in line were different i mean they, you know they were they were very different uh, i i didn't see anybody else with with um, a gmc terrain like mine and i'm embarrassed to say the color of it's called champagne um, you know, it's a girl color, but the, uh, are you allowed to say that? Is that politically correct or incorrect? No, I see some heads saying yes. The men are saying yes. The men are saying I can say that. Um, uh, but it had low mileage, which is a totally different sermon. Uh, anyway, uh, all the cars, all the cars looked um, very different, except we had, we all had this flag on our car. And we had our headlights on and we had our emergency flashers going and we were following this lead guy. You know, they, there shouldn't have been any doubt in anyone's mind who it is we were following there. Um, that's kind of what we've been looking at here. You know, last week I told you to be obvious in your living for Christ. Uh, today we're going to take that a little, little deeper and I'm going to I'm going to ask you, I'm going to challenge you, I hope God's going to challenge you really, uh, to leave no doubt that you are following Christ. Now, not only be obvious, but leave no doubt as to who it is that you're following. Let's pray and we're going to continue on in our passage. Father, thank you that you have put those in our lives who have left no doubt who they are following. And we, were a, we have been able to see. Now, some have passed on. And are with you. And while we miss them terribly, we're so grateful that they left no doubt of who it was they were following. And we could see and we could learn and we could grow. And, and we, could, we could line our lives up a little bit better to be able to leave no doubt about who we're living for. I thank you for your word that shows that to us so very clearly. And as we look into it today, I pray that you will... Bring to mind those things that we've seen in other people that we might be able to incorporate into our lives. But even more than that, I pray that you would touch us from your word, from your truth, that we will see 
and know and realize, Father, what it means to live for you, what it means to be yours, what it means to have this relationship with you, which we are so privileged to have, really, that gift that you've given us of faith in Christ. And we thank you for him, and we thank you in his name. Amen. We're going to continue in Colossians chapter 3. I told you last week that uh, you know these verses, verses 12 through 17, really kind of all go together. It's not that 11 and 18 don't either. They do too, but um, these kind of went together, and there was no way we were going to finish them all last week. Uh, and we're going to try to get through the rest of this part today. Uh, but to get the flow, so turn, turn if you didn't already, Colossians chapter 3. Turn, flip, press a little button, whatever you do to get there. Um, and to get the flow, we're actually going to read the verses we read last week as well. So back up to verse 12 with me, if you will. We looked at these first few verses last week. It said, therefore, uh, which takes us back earlier, which you'll see in a minute. Therefore, God's chosen ones. Isn't that a great, isn't that great? This is how he refers to us. Therefore, God's chosen ones. Whoa, you know. Anyway, um, holy and loved. Again, just wonderful. Put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, put on love. The perfect bond of unity. Now, we looked at those last week, and we covered it. And I told you to be obvious in your living for God, a life transformed by the grace of God in your life. You know, be a person that embodies those qualities that are listed there. Put them on. Make them obvious in your living. And he continues, verse 15. And let the peace of the Messiah, uh, to which you were called, also, to which you were also called in one body, control your hearts. Be thankful. Hmm. Circle that in your Bible. Not in the Pew Bible, but in yours. Uh, Verse 16, let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, he, he starts here, those, those words, well, he starts. Verse 15 starts with those words, and let, you know, and, and let. So, uh, you know, just, don't block God's work in your life. Don't block his work in your life. Let this happen. He's saying, you know, let this happen. Don't work against it. Don't thwart it. You know, don't undermine God's work in your life. Don't resist it. Let this happen. I, you know, the, uh, when you get some medical stuff done and you're fighting against them, it, it, it doesn't go well a lot of times. I remember uh, my brother was getting a shot one time and they said, don't tense up your arm. Well, you should never say things like that because what does he do? He tenses up his arm and pow, this, you know, this, this thing kind of exploded and you know the whatever the shot they were giving him went all over the place uh, you know this whole uh, you know but let this happen you know and let let this stuff happen now look back just a little bit earlier if you're still if you're still in colossians 3 you should be uh, back up to verse 5 you know verse 5 you know it says remember that we're to put to death whatever in you is worldly 
Whatever is against God, whatever ignores God, whatever is in you that relegates God to a lesser place, he says, put those to death. Whatever does not give the God the glory he deserves, put that to death, down in verse 8. And put away all those qualities, characteristics that don't reflect the character of God. He lists them there for you. Put those away. Separate yourself from those, down in verse 9. Put off the old man with his practices. You know, lay that aside. Put it off. You have a new life in Christ. And with that new life in Christ, so you put off the old man with his practices. Why? Because you have put on that new life. Because you don't just stop with cleaning up, you know, the the things that don't belong. You continue by working to fill your life with things that build. Look at verse 10. Put on the new man. We are told to put on that new man. You know, if you have put off the old man in verse 9, verse 10, put on the new man, fill your life with these new activities that are, are guided by new, that you are, your life is now guided by new priorities, that you are serving a new master. You know, you are no longer, that's that old life is put aside and you are no longer following that. You are now following the Lord. Uh, Jesus told a parable about the importance of not just removing what destroys, uh, but also filling your life with things that honor God. In Luke chapter 11, he says, whoever is not with, whoever is not with me is against me and whoever does not gather with me scatters. I found that very interesting that this is the verse that leads into, uh, then this, uh, parable that he said, that he tells. He says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through an arid place seeking rest and does not find it. And it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, he finds the house swept clean and put in order. And it goes in and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. You see, we need to clear out the old and begin doing those things that honor God. We need to then begin doing those things that are in line with his character. You, you clear out those things that aren't in line with his character, and you begin doing those things that are in line with his character. Uh, because uh, idle, idleness is not always your friend. Say, well, I'd love to just be able to sit back. That, that's fine, but understand, idleness is not always your friend. You see, because when, when you stop doing some of the things that took up some of that time that was destroying you, and you don't fill it then with something good, what very often happens is we get pulled back into what we left. And sometimes more deeply and more viciously than we were the first time. Or we get into a substitute thing. You see, something else that destroys. And he's just telling us here, you know, that we clear out the old and you begin doing those things. Those qualities listed in verses 12 and 13 that we looked at last week, we, that we need to make obvious in our life. Put on, put these things on, he says, heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, accepting and forgiving one another. And in verse 14, above all, above all, put on love. In other words, I guess I would say, start with love. Let these other things, you know, these other things are important too, but start with love. And the greatest of these is love. You ever heard that verse before, you know, at the end of 1 Corinthians 13? You know, these three remain faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. 
Above all, he says, put on love. And it continues, and in the verses we're looking at today, verse 15, and let the peace of the Messiah to which you were called in one body control your hearts. Don't hinder the work of God in your life. Don't do that. Let his peace control your heart is what he's saying. Let his peace control your heart. Now, it's easy to say, you know, and sometimes hard to do, but it's important to do. You know, it's important to do. You know, you let worry control your heart. You let fear control your heart. You let anxiety control your heart. You know, you, you let lust, temptation, and anger control your heart. And you say, well, yeah, how, how do we let these things control our heart? We fixate on them. We put time in on them. We mull them over and over again in our mind. We repeatedly review the hurt. You know, we, we focus on how we'll get even. We fill our minds with the problems. Now, he says, let his peace control your heart. Again, easy to say, but not always easy to accomplish. You know, it, it takes consistent, diligent, intentional work to, to have this happen. Not something you can try once and, well, that didn't work. Any of you ever go ice skating at all in your entire life? And, uh, you know, how well did you do that first time? Mm, well, mm, uh, you know, or roller skating or driving a car. First time I drove a car, my brother was uh, determined he was going to teach his little brother how to drive. And so, I don't know, I might have been 12 or younger. And he had a, a 1962 Ford Falcon, a three-speed on the column, and we were in a parking lot. What happened is after, after we left church, um, after we you know, went to church in the morning, we stopped off at, at Newman Drugs in Dalton, Illinois, 142nd and Chicago Road. Look it up sometime. Anyway, but, uh, so we were in a parking lot behind there. My mom and sisters had gone into the drugstore to get some stuff, and my brother and I were sitting in his 62 Ford Falcon, sky blue. It's really light blue. Men are only required to know five colors. Now we know shades of those. Blue is one of those. This was light blue. And um, so you know, he says, Come on, you're going to drive. Well, it's a busy parking lot. I said, okay, because I was 12 and a guy. And so we got in and I backed out. No problem. We pull out and we go and we, we you know, go around a circle and, and we're coming back. And he says, just pull in. So I was pulling in next to my sister's brand new, brand new 1963 and a half Galaxy Ford 500. And I proceeded to push the side of that in from the back bumper to the front bumper. Remember the first time you drove? Probably wasn't quite what I did, but I'm guessing it also wasn't pretty. Uh, you know, and the, I, when, I, when I started driver's ed, I told her I already had an accident. No. Uh, so I started driver's ed, and uh, the guy has me drive first, me, and then there's two girls in the back seat, you know, and he says, okay, you know, you're going to drive first, go, and we left. And he, you know, we said, he said, we need to get gas. Pull up to the gas pump. Pull up to the gas pump? Are you nuts? I've never done this in my life. Gas explodes. You know, I was, it was just terrified. I didn't tell him that, but that's what's going on in my head. It's like, you must be an idiot having me do this. You need to put in intentional, consistent, you know, diligent work. 
to get better at anything and to get better at having his peace control your heart, you still need to do that. When Jesus, when Jesus' disciples uh, were beginning to catch on to his words to them during that last supper and he was telling them that, you know, I'm going to be leaving, I'm going to be going. And, and they're starting to catch on a little bit, you know. And, and he also knew what they were going to be facing. And because he knew not only where they were at, but what was coming for them in just a matter of hours, he tells them, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. You know, don't, 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 let, don't let it happen. You know, your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. The, uh, the, some of the translations start that. Don't let your heart be troubled. Here he's, you know, he's telling us here in, in uh, Colossians to let his peace control your heart. Here he's telling them, don't let your hearts be troubled. You know, don't, don't let that happen. He, he calls them to increase their belief in him. Believe in God, believe also in me. That could be translated, and he's talking to Jewish men, and it could be translated in the same way that you believe in God. I want you to believe also in me. He, he's calling them, you know, he, he's calling them to, to in, increase their faith, to keep out. Don't let, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Keep out. Anything that works against strong faith, anything that works against increasing your faith, keep that out, he says. Keep that out of there. Don't let that happen. You know, how do we increase our faith? Uh, there's some great direction for us in Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, we could spend a lot of time here, uh, you know, but let me just highlight several things for you. He, he tells us to rejoice. Always rejoice. Always rejoice, he says. It's so important to focus on rejoicing. You can focus on what's, what, is, what is dragging you down, or you can focus on that rejoicing. You know, you have that, that option. He says to be obviously gracious. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. Not your frustration, not your aggravation, not even your problems. Let your graciousness be, be known to everyone. And remember, you're not alone, he says, because the Lord is near. You know, the Lord is near. And he tells us to resolve our worry. You know, he doesn't just say don't worry. He tells us to resolve it through prayer, petition, requests, and giving thanks. You know, resolve your worry through that. And he says as you do, the peace of God will take a more prominent role in your life. The peace of God will take a more prominent role in your thinking as you do these things. And he says to begin to dwell Spend significant time, you know, dwell, mull it over in your mind. Instead of mulling over all those things that are worrying you, instead of spending all that time fixating on what's troubling you, instead, he says that you're to dwell on things of moral excellence and worthy of praise. Instead of dwelling on what's causing you worry, instead of dwelling on what's causing you fear, Anxiety, hurt, anger, lust, temptation. Dwell 
on what is of moral excellence and a lot of praise. And he says, by doing these things, doing those things that you have learned and, and received, he says, doing what you have, then do what you have learned, do what you have received, do what you have seen, those who have gone before you, who have, who have shown you what it means to have a relationship with Christ, do some of those things that you have been say, say, seeing them do and, and to say, now let me summarize for this for you. Work to increase and strengthen your faith. This is what he's telling us. Work to increase and strengthen your faith. And it is work. It is work. Because we tend to fixate on those things that bug us, those things that irritate us, those things that trouble us. And we tend to fixate on those. And he's saying instead, begin to fixate on God. You know, when you're applying and following the scriptures and you're living, you will be what it tells us in verse 15. You'll be letting the peace of the Messiah to which you were also called in one body control your hearts. See, increased faith brings increased peace. It does. Increased faith brings increased peace. Because as you increase your faith, you see you know God better you more deeply understand that he's got this. It's out of control to me, but I know he's got this. You begin to realize more and more that you are not out of his mind. He is not forgetting about you. He is not overlooking you. You're not out of his sight. And you live in the peace knowing that God is not surprised by what you're in the midst of. That he knew this was coming. And a lot of times it's a really good thing he didn't tell us it was coming. Because we'd have been a wreck. You know, we, 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 would have, we would have been a wreck. And that will help you to be thankful as it says. You let the peace of the Messiah who you are called in one body control your hearts and be thankful. It's worded there is to continually be thankful, to always be thankful, to be marked by thankfulness, not marked by complaining, to let that to, to, to leave no doubt that you are thankful, not leaving no doubt that you are that, that you're a complainer, but leaving no doubt that you are thankful. Increased faith brings increased peace and increased peace should result in increased thankfulness. Increased thankfulness comes. Stop blocking God from doing work in your life. Let his peace control your heart. Leave no doubt that his peace is controlling your heart. Verse 16, also don't water down the message of God. Don't water down the message of God. Let the message about the Messiah, it says, dwell richly among you. Let it dwell richly among you. You see, we water down the message of God when we look to justify our living instead of conforming our life to the message of God. When we look to justify what we're doing instead of, instead of conforming it to the Word of God. Well, you know, in their time, they, you know, they just really didn't have some of the same temptations and pressures we did. Uh, you know, you're right. They didn't because they had to worry a little bit more about what they were going to eat that day. And you don't. You see, they, uh, don't, don't, you know, don't uh, make excuses, you know, for conforming your way of living instead of conforming your life to the Word of God. We water down the message of God when we excuse sin. 
when we when we excuse and you know when when we think it's not really that bad. Other people are worse than me. Did you see that guy in the news this week? He's worse than me. We're, what we're doing is watering down the word of God that calls sin sin. You know, when we look at the clear word of God and we think, did God really say? This goes all the way back to the beginning. And the enemy comes and comes up to Eve and said, did God, did God really say? Did God really say? Are you sure this is what God said, that God's withholding from you? Did God really say you can't eat the fruit from that tree? Really, you must have misunderstood him. You see, we begin, we begin to bring doubt in. We begin to water down the word of God. And when we ignore God's word, because certainly God wants me to be happy. More people are on their way to hell because they believe that than you can imagine. Yes, follow the whole thing. Yes, he does want you to be happy. That's why he gave you his word so that you could see and follow his word and learn what it, what real life is. You can learn about life in him. You can learn about then how it is that he, what he tells us and how he's designed us. And as you live more in line with the way God designed us to live, you will find that you're happy. It's not by, you know, thinking, well, God wants me to be happy. Instead of pushing aside or watering down the message about the Messiah, notice what it says. Let it dwell richly in you. I like that dwell, you know, dwell. Uh, to reside in, to influence you for good. You know, to, 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 to be there. Uh, some of the translations say, let the message about the Messiah, the, the, let the word of Christ, the message about Christ, let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, and permeating, permeating, there's the word I'm trying to get out, permeating every aspect of your being. Let it dwell richly, richly, abundantly, conspicuously. More than just a hint of flavoring, more than just a whiff you know, of their strong presence. Leave no doubt that it's there. Ginny and I have been watching the great British baking show, Professionals. You know, there's, they got all of these bake, you know, anyhow, the one is professionals. Well, these people are professional bakers and they're in competition with each other and they're judged by two other kind of snooty, but that's my opinion. Uh, these other two people. And so, you know, they're, they're tasting this stuff and it's passion fruit, guava and snail eggs or something. I don't know, you know, all this stuff they mix together. Some of it's kind of revolting and I think, blah, why would you ever do that? I, you know, black pepper and all these others. I like pepper, but not in my, not, you know, not in my eclair. Uh, yeah, but, you know, so they, they, they got all these things and they mix them together and, and so they, they're tasting them, you know, and, <laughs> You know, and they take, you know, they take a, a, a little bit of the, the filling or whatever, and they taste it, and they say, oh, I, you know, I, I love the guacamole, but the passion fruit's just not coming through. It's overwhelmed by the onion, you know. Uh, whatever, you know, whatever it is, it, 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 there's, it, it, let the message of Christ dwell richly, richly. That strong presence. Leave no doubt that it's there. Leave no doubt about the message of Christ in your living. Leave no doubt about it at all. You know, your living's to be guided by the message of Christ. 
Your choices should be in line with the message of Christ. Your values should be set by the message of Christ. Your actions should be determined by the message of Christ. Your words should be revealing the effects of the message of Christ in your life. That's the picture of of teaching, admonishing one one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitudes in your hearts to God. There's there's the picture, you know, that's the picture of of being, you know, living, guided by that, having your choices in line with him, and your values set by him, your actions determined by him, your words revealing the effects of it. It's all unfolded there. Teaching and admonishing one another, it says, in all wisdom. Wisdom comes... Wisdom comes from God, not from your opinions or feelings, not from your education. Wisdom comes from God. Job chapter 12. Wisdom and strength belong to God. Counsel and understanding are his. Jeremiah chapter 10. The, 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 the verses are marked in your, in your outline for you. Jeremiah 10. He made the earth by his power. Establish the world by his wisdom and spread out the heavens by his understanding. Daniel chapter two, may the name of God be praised uh, forever and ever for wisdom and power belong to him. Psalm 111, fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and all who follow his instructions have good insight. His praise endures forever. Proverbs chapter 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Ephesians chapter 1, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. James chapter 1, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously, without criticizing, and it will be given to him. That's why he tells us here, let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. Your living, your choices, your values, your actions, your words, leaving no doubt that the message of Christ has had an effect in your life, had an effect in your living Living, living that intensity, you know, that intensity of life for Christ, it flows from gratitude in your hearts to God. That's where it flows from. When you realize what he has done for you in his death on the cross, when you realize what he has saved you from, when you realize what, what it means that he has brought you salvation, then gratitude begins to take hold. And the more you dwell on that, the, the more gratitude begins to control Take control, uh, take hold and control. And out of that gratitude, your living is transformed to where it leaves no doubt, it says, about the message of Christ is the anchor of your living. Last verse, let's look at it. Verse 17, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's pretty inclusive. That's pretty all-encompassing. Notice what it says, whatever you do. It says to do everything, whether it's in word or in deed, whatever it is. This is a call to honor the Lord in all your living, in all your living. 
Now, I have had people tell me that they don't like to talk to other people or they don't feel they know enough to tell other people about Jesus. So they say they're just going to live their witness instead. That's a self-delusional fantasy that the people who used to, you know, shoot up drugs and all that stuff are are into also. All of these things that they think are going to happen. Yeah, it's a self-delusional fantasy. It goes against Scripture. It goes against the example of Jesus. Don't you find it? I find it interesting that Jesus found it necessary to use words, yet, yet, yet some of us don't. I, I, can, I can live this better than Jesus. Oh, I didn't say that. You may not have used those words. Jesus used words. Here's the deal. If you know enough to come into a relationship with Jesus, you know enough to share. No, I don't. Yes, you do. If you know enough to, to come to a relationship with Jesus, then you already know enough to share. But I can't answer, that, 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 I can't answer all the questions. You know, I, Kent can't answer all the questions, and he's smarter than me. Yeah, the, the, you know, the, the, whole, the whole reality, you know, the reality is, is we, we need to realize that we have to honor the Lord in all our, delu- all our living. And it's a, it's a self-delusional fantasy that goes against Scripture to think you don't have to say anything. If, you know, if you truly feel they need to know more, and just to remove any confusion, just so no one's confused, we all need to learn more. Okay. If you were thinking maybe you didn't, let's pop that bubble right now. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we all need to know more about the Lord. So put in the work. Put in the effort. Put in the time. That's how it happens. You, know, you put in that work, you put in the effort, and you put in the time, just like you did when you learned to drive, just like you did when you learned to skate, just like you did when you learned to walk. You just don't remember that. Just like you did, just like you did for anything else. For anything else, you know, you, you learn those things and you put in the time, you put in the work, you put in the effort. And we need to do that in our walk with Christ also. And I've also heard people say, you know, just the other thing, too, that they have a relationship with Christ. They know they're saved. Yet I don't see any evidence of it in their life. I don't see any evidence of it in their living at all. They live just like the world. When I say the world, I mean those who deny Christ. Just as Scripture uses that phrase, but most often, just as those who who deny, just as those who ignore God, they live just like those who follow false gods. They are delusional. They got their head in the wrong place. First, John's first letter really addresses this quite clearly. It says, "If we say we have fellowship with Him, yet we walk in the darkness, we're lying and not practicing the truth." If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say we don't have any sin, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. What we're told here in Colossians is whatever you do in word or in deed, whether you are speaking or whatever you are doing, word or deed, Whatever it is you're speaking, whatever it is you're doing, do everything, it says, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything. What's he saying? Leave no doubt. Leave no doubt that you are following Christ Jesus. 
Don't block his work in your life. Instead, work to increase and strengthen your faith. Don't water down the message of God. Rather, leave no doubt about the message of Christ in your living. Honor the Lord in all your living, in all your saying, in all your doing. Leave no doubt that you are following Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, again, I'm just moved to thank you for those who we were able to see that in, the lives of those who some have gone before us, some are still with us, and we're very thankful for those examples that can help us to see and to know and to understand you and what it means to live this out. It's, it's, uh, it's not always an easy thing, Father, but it is a necessary thing, not only for the fact that others will come to know Christ, but so that we will grow and we will know that we know that we know that we are yours. That we won't be ravaged by doubt, that we won't be beat around by what goes on in life, that the challenges won't destroy our faith, but that they will help to draw us deeper, deeper into knowing you, deeper into loving you, deeper into living for you. So, Father, continue, continue to help us Uh, Put in that time, that work, that effort of growing in our faith in you, knowing and understanding you and your heart, and letting it make a difference in our life. So we thank you and be honored in our living, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.